0: Hello and welcome to The Hedgehog and the Fox, the podcast that's curious about curiously good books, and the people who make them. In the summer of 2019, which now feels as though it belongs to a different geological epoch, I interviewed some of the people who work at Princeton University Press's UK office to mark their 20th anniversary. That group audio portrait went out as a podcast that July, and is still available. Since then, I've been releasing longer versions of the interviews that went into the portrait, and this week's programme is one of those. Rob Tempio is Princeton's publisher for the ancient world, philosophy and political theory. He says on the press's website, I believe passionately in both the inherent and enduring fascination of these subjects and in the ways in which they perpetually speak to the present. This interview was conducted al fresco, between the Bodleian Library And the Sheldonian Theatre in Oxford. Tourists were milling around, some of them staring at Rob as he was being interviewed, trying to work out if they'd perhaps seen him in a recent movie, or maybe he was a famous writer in town to deliver a lecture at the Sheldonian. For all that, Rob managed to maintain concentration admirably, and we covered quite a bit of ground in ten minutes. The first thing I wanted to know was what was he doing in Oxford?
1: So I am spending the year here ogling Oxford. No, to be honest, I'm spending the year here working for Princeton University Press as their ancient world philosophy and political theory editor, meeting with faculty from Oxford and all over the world who pass through Oxford, talking with them about their work, and
0: uh, telling them about Princeton University Press. So how do you how did you come to be here rather than operating out of Princeton, as you have been doing for many years? Um, well, we have an office here in
1: Woodstock, just just outside of Oxford, where we've been for 20 years. It's a growing office, and I thought it would be a good opportunity for me to come here, spend some time with the good folks who who work there, and get to know them, get to see things from their perspective. I, I go into the office periodically and spend time with them, but also just the opportunity to meet the, the, the many great academics who work in my areas here in Oxford. So I've been referring to it as a, you know, editors do campus travel. This has been a, a year-long campus visit.
0: And has it made a real difference compared to sending an email and maybe talking to someone on Skype or at a conference is being here, seeing people face-to-face, really making a difference. Absolutely, I first came to Oxford
1: about 12 years ago to meet with people and that paid dividends even then just meeting them. And these are people I haven't seen in 12 years and reconnecting with them, it's as if we're old friends in some ways, but also just some of these are people I have corresponded with and giving them the chance to put a face and a personality with the emails
0: has been wonderful. How would you contrast the, the picture 12 years ago tonight, when you're sort of taking the temperature of the academic community? It's, um,
1: I wouldn't say it's changed a great deal. Um, there's There are new people to see, new uh, new people to meet, new scholars to meet. More and more people know about the Princeton operation in the UK. More and more people know about the publications I've done in the intervening 12 years. I don't want to say they weren't receptive the first time around, but they can see themselves now, you know, publishing with Princeton in a way that maybe they were just beginning to think about 12 years ago. So
0: So how would you describe what you're looking for? I mean, I know it's it's a broad canvas, (laughs) but how would would you sort of sum up the kinds of books that you're on, on the lookout for? We're always
1: looking for, you know, books by the best scholars that are on the broadest possible topic that can reach the broadest possible audience. And when I say possible, I mean, that might mean within the discipline, within adjacent disciplines, or with the broader, generally educated public that I think we, and I personally believe very much, very strongly in, that exists for serious nonfiction that we
0: publish. And yeah, broadest possible audience. So you you are looking for for genuine crossover trade books. Absolutely, absolutely. I feel particularly, you know, so
1: again, I do philosophy and political theory and classics or classics, ancient history, what we call the ancient world, I feel very strongly in in all of those areas that there is a real general interest in in, um, what academics have to say in these topics. And that's been certainly true in the ancient world as well. There's just a tremendous appetite for ancient history and even classics, you know, even books that open up the classics to a wider audience.
0: So, so have you felt like you're in an all you can eat buffet here? <laughs>
1: Absolutely. I've 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 said kid in a candy store.
0: Right. Yeah, that's my right.
1: and that applies as much to the scholars as it does to the bookstores that I frequent here when I walk in. It is a feast for the eyes. With all due respect to uh US publishers, the design here, that's one thing I have noticed. The UK design has gotten has started to surpass the US design in terms of uh trade paperbacks and trade trade uh nonfiction covers. So yes. Buffet, candy store, choose your metaphor, I'm a happy camper. So,
0: (laughs) Tell me a little bit of background. How did you get into academic publishing in the first place? Like so many, I started in academia. I had
1: been a grad student in philosophy with the idea of pursuing a PhD. And I quickly learned I would rather give people the ideas than put them into action myself. So I managed to get a job working at Oxford University Press, just after I decided that I didn't want to continue with graduate school. And I worked at Oxford University Press for several years, making my way up from editorial assistant to assistant editor. Got a job at another press working as an editor. And then in 2006, I landed at Princeton, where I've been ever since.
0: And the subject areas are the ones that go a long way back with you, or are they ones that you've acquired as you've gone along? My
1: background was in philosophy. I initially started out working on u s history textbooks and then politics books. when I came to Princeton, I hadn't worked on philosophy books before, but again, my background was in philosophy, and I had done ancient philosophy, so I was interested in that. Um, the ancient world was was new to me, and you know good editors are good generalists, I think, and um, dilettantes in the best sense of the word. People had said to me at the time, they said, you must be excited about getting back to philosophy. But I was actually more excited about the ancient world because it was an area I could learn about. And that's proven to be the case. It's the one where I could come at it as a sort of novice and suggest to people ideas for books that I would want to read. And I think that's proven
0: fruitful. And have you found as your career has gone on and you've become more senior... It's difficult to have the same amount of contact with the books as you take on other responsibilities. The same amount of contact as you once had. I, d- I did spend a time managing, and that and, and that
1: was challenging at the time to to take on these additional responsibilities and gave the books the same attention that I was giving them prior. Now that I'm not no longer a manager, I try for that not to be the case. The only thing is I am voracious in terms of the number of books I'm signing. So, and my authors are being good about delivering them. So, I'm often hit with a lot of manuscripts at the same time and and um I did pick up the word queue while I've been here. So, they're in the queue and I'm waiting to get to them and give them the attention they deserve. So, being an editor is, you know, juggling 20 or more balls at the same time. So, I try not to let it slide, but it often but, but it sometimes does.
0: <laughs> One series I know that you're responsible for in particular is the Ancient Wisdom series. Can you for someone who hasn't perhaps encountered that, what, what is it? What you're trying to do there? So these are books that take a classical text, a short classical text,
1: or an excerpt from a short classical text. They're newly translated by a scholar. They're translated to be accessible for a contemporary audience. They write a short introduction. They lightly annotate them. And we package them as how-to books. We package them as books that take the best of classical texts and make them accessible to a modern reader for the sake of gaining some sort of wisdom on a topic. They're fun they're serious. They are done often by the best scholars, but they are intended to be a kind of gateway to the classics for the general reader. And we've done books from the first one, which was How to Win an Election, which was a very fun book that was a a kind of ancient electioneering pamphlet that advised Cicero on how to win his election to consul of Rome in 64 B.C., and was filled with fun tidbits about digging up dirt on your opponents. And then we followed it up with how to run a country, but then we've also done how to die, how to grow old, how to think about war, how to keep your cool, an ancient guide to anger management. And they've really taken off. There's been a lot of interest in them as volumes from general readers. So um, uh, it's been an exciting series and it continues to grow. And and, uh, it was immensely gratifying to arrive here in the UK and to see them well represented in our bookstores. So...
0: Let's take quality as a given. Mm-hmm. What else are you looking for? What makes your antennae ah, vibrate goodness. with excitement when, when an author <laughs> starts talking to you about, a, about an idea? Ah. Good question. Um, so, I mean, I, I, can, can I give you an example?
1: So, one of my more successful books has been a book called 1177 BC The Year Civilization Collapsed. This is a book about the Eastern Mediterranean in the late Bronze Age, rough, you know, 12th century BC. This was a period about which I knew very little at the time, you know. And I remember being described to me as a period of great interconnection amongst these Eastern Mediterranean civilizations, the Egyptians, the Hittites, the Mycenaeans, the Minoans. They were all interacting. We had this great treasure trove of archaeological evidence indicating correspondence between them and connections and trade. And then it all collapsed. And this struck me as just ripe for a book. And I had a a scholar who ended up being the author of the book who was working on this period and he wanted to write a book about it. And I suggested that we frame it around the collapse that followed this period and that kind of just mystery, significant period in history that it had contemporary resonance with our own financial collapse that we were going through of system of, um, of interconnected, uh, an interconnected world that experienced a kind of systemic collapse so, those kinds of stories and historical events that are just have inherent interest that resonate with our own contemporary world, those are the kinds of things that that kind of get me excited. And I believe very much in the just the inherent interest. you know, um Greek democracy is interesting whether or not it has resonance for our contemporary world. And I you know, if someone says to me they're 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 writing a a history of Greek oligarchy, that gets me excited as much as um, a book about contemporary oligarchy
0: this maybe sounds a rather cheesy question but do you think you've changed as a result of this year apart from you know taking back memories and some contracts do you think it's (laughs) it's changed you as a person or as an editor
1: i like to think that it it hasn't changed me i think it's it's been a great year. I've, tra- I've traveled a, rat- a lot around Europe. I am a public school kid from a public state institution in New Jersey, and I feel immensely grateful for the opportunity to be here in Oxford. So um, it's only made me more grateful for my position at Princeton and uh, and the opportunity to be here. I would say it made me more worldly, but I'm not sure what that means. <laughs> uh, 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 so I don't think it's changed me. I think it's made me Um, In a mundane way, I have a better sense of how robust the market is for serious nonfiction here. And, And it inspires me to go back. And when I hear all the laments about people not buying books or decline in reading, I think we are selling ourselves short back in the States to think that that's true of our fellow citizens. I think there's as much of an interest in serious nonfiction there as there is here. So
0: you're going to go back with a spring in your step?
1: I'll go back with a spring in my step.
0: (laughs) I was talking to Rob Tempio of Princeton University Press. There are full details of all Princeton's books on their website, browsable by subject, and through the online catalogs by season. Do check out the Ancient Wisdom for Modern Readers series while you're there. Editing this interview has made me think that I'd like to do more similar short interviews next year, though not necessarily under the scrutiny of tourists, inviting editors, mainly editors but not necessarily exclusively editors, to talk briefly about one of their own titles, and a title for another press. Ten minutes total. If you'd like to take part, do get in touch via Twitter or the website thehedgehogandthefox.com. Also on the website, you'll find links to over 70 more episodes of the programme, You can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. It's on Apple, Google and Spotify, among others. Catch up on any interviews you've missed and leave a review. I'll be back again soon with another programme. So until then, thank you very much for listening and goodbye.